Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and I'm here with The Phoenix. The Phoenix. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we, we uh, in the last podcast, we talked a bit about your journey. We talked about how you found out about card counting, how you got into it, how you trained, um, how you kind of went from testing it out, uh, playing a bit, you joined a team, made a little bit of money there, uh, partnered with someone, and then kind of... Boom! After after a conversation with Yoda, aka Joe Seven Four Eight, you found out. Hey, I think I can do this. And uh, on a, a little bit of a joint bankroll with JC Note, and have you've been killing it? So, um, if you guys didn't hear the last uh, podcast with the Phoenix, check that out. But we're gonna dive back into kind of where things have been. So, so you're still playing, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact. Um, I feel like I have it kind of mapped out, like how things are going to go based off the projections thus far okay. of, of, of what's, what's happened. I wanted to be done, um, gambling at the end of 2016. Um, but that hasn't, that, that's like right now, basically as we're talking to you and, and, and I'm not done with all my goals, but more goals kind of popped up. Uh-huh. I, I think kind of the big unexpected one was... A pet tiger. Taxes. Okay. This pet tiger called Taxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as a... You probably don't have a lot of dependents to, <laughs> to put on your tax your uh, tax return. No, I don't. I, I, you know what's weird is like at one of your boot camps, I think the second one, I was like... Hey, so uh, you know what? Do, what do we got to pay with taxes or whatever? And yeah. at the time, you had mentioned this option called the Schedule G, which is basically six point five percent of whatever you make is what you give to the government, and that would be a dream come true. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't mention that as like this is what you do. Uh, I, because I know I've never, I've never told people this is what you should do. I always say, hey, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a tax professional, but I do know that, uh, you know, when we were first playing, we asked what we should do, and with the amount of regularity and that it, you know, I think it was small enough stakes, we were told like, oh yeah, well this isn't a business, so you're going to put it on this thing, and and it was, yeah, it was like six point five percent. Well, when we were playing more professionally, more full time, larger scale, that wasn't what we did, and yeah. Six point five percent would be nice, but I, a lot of it has to do with the the bracket you're in, and it has to do with also, you know, uh, if you got state taxes you're paying and just all that all that stuff, and you kind of got all of it going on. Oh my gosh! And I, apparently, uh, the state of California, just tax wise, is the worst state tax wise. And um, well, it depends how you look at it. You're hooking up. The state of California, <laughs> you're funding hospitals and schools and roads, but for you personally, your bottom, your bottom line. Yeah, yeah, my bottom line is getting cut into by taxes. But um, I, you know, I made a promise to myself that when I, basically, when I once I passed six figures, that that's because honestly, like, uh, well, good thing I'm just called the Phoenix. So go ahead and try and try and find the Phoenix. But prior to this, I, I didn't really report anything 
to the a small small time because yeah it, it was it wasn't uh really all that much money but now that i've crossed you know the six figures i'm like okay i'm gonna report this and uh public service announcement uh <laughs> we always tell people pay your taxes uh that's between you you and you and the government but uh what's interesting is i guess i uh, there's a lot of pros that don't and that's real you're hmm. you're you're running a bit of a risk doing that because uh-huh. now when i'm depositing big figures like i always get the question now sure. like what you know what's what's your line of work and i, I remember for a while I, I said movie producer but you know when i was when i was in la because that would kind of make sense for the area but but now it's like professional gambler so i i talked to the tax guy and i found out that my schedule g dreams were destroyed okay um i don't know what he don't quote i'm not again i'm not a tax professional but I don't I don't know what the amount is, but you can only do Schedule G up to a certain amount of money, yeah. and I think it's. This is my guess, so this is not a fact. But I think once you pass ten grand in a year, uh, you know you you have to either file as a professional or a amateur gambler. Okay. And then the, the people I went to, he said, so this is what we do. Basically, you. Um, you either basically we're going to find out which one's going to be the least amount of money that you have to pay the government, and that's and that's, that's what you are, and that's what you are, you... dude. Taxes are crazy. <laughs> when we were running our team, the question was: Were the players on our teams were they employees or were they independent contractors? And it was best for the business if they were independent contractors. But it wasn't a black and white answer. It was like there's a criteria. There's twelve points of you know what makes someone an independent contractor and. You know, the players met seven of the 12. And then an employee, there's kind of like this 10 list criteria and they hit four. And it was like, well, it's kind of six of one, half dozen of the other. And anyway, uh, let your accountant figure that stuff out. So bottom line is your your goal of being done, you're going to have to play a little more for Uncle Sam. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And, and just to, to be honest or whatever, because I want to be an honest business person business person and I am debt free so I can I can afford uh Uncle Sam's bill and I you know I don't I don't want to have to run into like issues like Wesley Snipes or <laughs> or uh Willie Nelson mm-hmm. you know people that are paying off like eons ago of of back taxes and have that yeah. haunt me um in a moment where you know fiscally you know things kind of really get to a good place. Yeah. So I'll do that. And then it seems, I, I feel like the way things have gone at roughly, I think midway through 2017 is when I'll be, have reached all my financial goals. And then I will return to Los Angeles to make films. Cool. That's the, so, so your goal is make, make a bit more scratch. And then, uh, hopefully, hopefully sometime mid 2017, Head back to to work on what you've been uh, work, trying to work on for for a while now. Yeah, and give my full attention to it. So blackjack, you know, has gotten me debt free and allows me to give full focus to the dreams that that I want to pursue. So just to clarify, card counting, <laughs> card card counting, card counting. <laughs> for those yes. that just are tuning yeah. in, we don't mean any and all blackjack. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. right. That's okay, right. Cool. Got that clear. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And like and I'm so appreciative of uh Colin's uh program and the boot camp that I got trained through and also the community that I stayed in touch with. Um 
Jace, you know, went, you know, he went on to join another team, but he still t- stayed in touch with me. And since he was playing on another team, he couldn't um, play with me because that was a conflict of interest. However, he could invest in me. And it was always great to have him along as uh, a team member because midway through the year of 2016, I hit a dry patch where basically I think there was a two-month period where I only made like a thousand bucks. Uh-huh. Which is weird to say amidst so much that I'd won. Sure. Um, and but it's like, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? And we're all human beings. Yeah. We, we, it's weird. It's like we need to play like androids even though we're not androids. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Because uh-huh. like, you type stuff into CVCX and the computer plops that out and you're like, oh, that's great. But the, it doesn't say anything about the emotions. Yes. That you are going to experience on that roller coaster ride yeah. along the way, and that's where I would say it's really valuable to have just people that you stay in touch with. Um, because I will say, what kept me sane through those two months was JC Note. Cool, it was really valuable, and I met him through your boot camp. You yeah, know I mean that's really valuable, and, and and or however you're meeting people, it's just through the forum. Just have some people you can talk to that can help coddle your emotions through what is going to yeah. be known financial rapids that you will go through um, when playing blackjack. That's really valuable. We've talked about this before, but guys on our team, just being in the middle of a trip, let's say someone flew to the East Coast to play for five days, and they're like three days in, and they're losing and getting backed off. And they'd be like, I think I'm just going to call it good and just hang out in my hotel for the next few days. But they'd call someone else on the team and that person would be like, dude, you got two days left. You know, why don't you head north to this place and just see what happens. And then like, you know, generate more EV. Uh, I know one famous story. I think it was uh, Loudon Often. He like won everything back that he had lost uh, in that last like couple of days and made himself and the team a bit more money. And it just took that little pep talk or that just someone that, you know, is like, dude, I know your pain. Uh, stick with it. It'll it'll turn around or whatever. It can be really valuable. Because, and I want to be be clear about this. Like we, you and I are both like six figure winners. Yeah, you know what I mean. But what's weird is we we talked about this earlier. There's still the moment in time to this day <laughs> where you will think like, maybe I got lucky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, totally. I was <laughs> saying like. I've I've won over six hundred grand playing. Like I've averaged over three hundred dollars an hour for my career, but I've had losing streaks where, like, late in my career, where I'm like, does this still work? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, it's just yeah, we're we're not robots, but but just you know, someone to remind. It really helped me. I read "Burning the Tables in Las Vegas" by Ian Anderson when I was first first playing, and he talked about going through a losing streak and having a friend test him out and just verifying he was doing everything right. And because he was questioning, even though he'd made, you know, uh, a living at it for a number of years, it was like, what is going on? And he verified it and he kept playing and it turned around. Uh, so it was helpful for me to read that so early. So for those of you guys early or still learning or early into your card can careers, you're going to experience some losing streaks that you might not be prepared for emotionally and having someone to, to, you know, talk you off the cliff with that. So you don't start playing stupid or, or give up or over bet or under bet or whatever. Yeah. You know, what's weird is I, I've, I've even heard you talk to, uh, Richard Munchkin, who apparently I'm going to follow suit after as a, 
yeah. as, a, as a card counter and now, slash movie producer. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, it's not, I'll I'll take it. It's awesome. It's what I, I love to do. But um, it's you feel like you got lucky in your early stages. Yeah. And what's weird is so do I. Yeah. After I've just described the things that happened, I would hate to see someone um, make a make a mistake and get unlucky. Like make the mistakes that we yeah. made and then not have what could be financial free, have yeah. the freedom that we have. Well, that's uh, I think Joe seven four eight. I think he lost his first. Oh, that's right. Uh, bankroll and then. Or whatever, some chunk of it. He did ten grand. I think. Uh, I think it was like he or, lost five grand. Oh yeah, five. And he grand. had another five, and and he stuck with it. And yeah, I'm glad he stuck with it. Man, I'm sure he's glad he stuck with it. Um, but you know, obviously he had he had his skills in check, so it was it was all worth it. But I honestly don't know. I'm sure if I would have lost my first two grand, I would have never. You know, how would I have convinced my wife to like take more of our saving? You know, yeah. So, no, honey, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I would have done if I'd have lost that five grand. Yeah, there's there's like a little bit of there's yeah a little bit of luck there, like protecting that situation. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I think I forgive me. I don't. I, I, forgive me. Correct me if we've talked about this already, but when I returned to LA, there was there was this. Oh, that's right. It was the last thing we talked about. Where there was like. Like when I returned to LA, there was there was the moment of oh yeah of like buying yeah buy a new desk and feeling the need to buy it. Buy so well, what are some other you know some of the other lessons you feel like you've learned from just the crazy ride of card counting and the money the money pouring in or being around that kind of money? It it you know what it does. Um, Okay, so there is something, uh, kind of a topic of money and emotions. Yeah. Um, there, there's, there's some really good documentaries out there. One that I watched uh, when, I, when I was in L.A. right before I like left residency there, this one called Happy. I know that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, super good one. I've but, met that guy uh, that yeah. made it. Yeah. Yeah, which, um, well, anyway, yeah, it's great, great documentary. There's a segment in there where they talk about how money the amount of money that you have I'll, I'll put it I'll just explain it the way they explain it like if you're a bum yeah and someone get, hands you some money and puts a coat on your back and a roof over your head that affects you immensely yeah like that's a has a huge effect on you you know on, on mm-hmm. your whole universe you know fi- so money money does affect you yeah. like if you're in a low income bracket Yes, but if you're in if you're in a higher income bracket, what happens is you um, you acclimate to whatever money you have. Yeah. So yes. you know. So now it's like I'm used to having you know lots of money. It just take you basically if you become a, a, a multimillionaire, you get used to what it's like having millions uh-huh. of dollars, and it doesn't afford you any. Any more happiness? Yes, I I heard that somewhere it's like around seventy thousand dollars a year. That that if someone is making less than seventy thousand dollars a year, more money contributes. You know, is really helpful. But somewhere around there, there isn't like measurable increased levels of happiness. Yeah. Um. And the the problem is, you know, if you make, uh, you know, let's say you make forty grand, you probably live 
around neighbors that also make in that similar, you know, it's going to be like, you can afford to live with people that make about that and you want to get more. And then you make 70 grand and you live around neighbors that make 70 grand. And if you're making a million dollars, you live around neighbors that make a million dollars and you never feel like, you know, it'd be one thing if you're making a million dollars living next to neighbors that make 40 grand and you'd be like, Oh my gosh, I have more than I could ever need. If your your neighbors have a new car or have a bigger house or whatever, it's, it's always like, there's, I could use a little more or I could get to that next level, but you know, that next level, what's it really going to do for you? Yeah. It's, it's, it's emotion. It's diminishing returns yes. in, in terms of, so it's not, it's not like you're giving money to a homeless person. Yeah. Like you're just getting more money and it's not adding happiness to you. Whereas like money to someone that, that, you know, up until that 70,000, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, and it's called the hedonic treadmill. You just yeah. adjust. Uh-huh. And that, so that's something that's been really valuable. However, I will be honest, uh, money does affect your emotions temporarily. Yeah. Amidst the yeah. contextually with, with what I'm talking about, uh, for card counting and what we're doing. Um, uh, there, when we like when you're in a casino and you see someone hit a jackpot, I've, seen some weird behavior mm-hmm. you know what i mean like, oh yeah like this one lady she hit a slot machine jackpot and i don't i actually don't even it's here's here's the additional irony is it could have been for like maybe 1200 or a thousand yeah. bucks which i hate to sound like a jerk or unsympathetic to people with that because money's relative like yeah, in yeah. terms of to me, basically what I'm saying is like that's not all that much money. Sure. And this sure. lady is freaking out yeah. to doing gymnastics. Like she's going to retire. And jumping jacks. Yeah. And some some people even have like heart attacks and stuff. And and so like uh like there is money tied to emo- uh emotions tied to money temporarily. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. But then it's it's like it, you just acclimate so quick. Yeah. I mean I've heard stories of pe- people like winning like kind of a lot of money. Like mm-hmm. a lot of money, like uh, twelve thousand bucks. Sure. And then come, and for them, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And, and then uh, they'll come in like the next day and lose it all back. Oh and, yeah. And then it's just like, oh well, there went. It's, it's almost like money loses its value in casinos. Cause, oh, absolutely. Or, or it becomes. It's, it's relative. It's like, uh, <laughs> you know, I I picture a lot of gamblers. Um they're comfortable betting or losing or playing with a certain amount of cash in casinos that they might then go across the street to get some food and they, they wouldn't be like, ah, $500 hamburger, no big deal. But they just lost 500 bucks at the pie gout table. You know, it's like they compartmentalize it differently. Um, and, you know, going back to this idea of like, it, it could sound like we're saying, uh, you know, everyone should should like not, should not have money but you know with, with that uh, financial apprenticeship project that that died uh you know really the the thing that that we felt like we had learned with card counting we want to share with people is that money is a tool like that's all it is and a tool is only as valuable as what you're using the tool for and you know the example of pickaxe you know it's like oh i could use a pickaxe but do you need a hundred pickaxes <laughs> But if you actually have a purpose for a hundred pickaxes, well, that's great. You know, like if you have, if you have a somewhere to use this tool or a way to use this tool, you know, to change things, to help people to, you know, to then the money actually is, is incredibly valuable. 
And we, you know, there's great examples of that. Um, people that, that use money to value valuable goals, whether that's like, uh, you know, loving your neighbor or, or like, you know, taking care of your family or, you know, helping the disenfranchised. But uh, there, there can be this thought of if I just have more of this tool, then I'll be happier. And that's what is not true. Yeah, that is a, that is a trap. Dude, we're getting deep here. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's a trap. And it is a lie. I guess Jim Carrey. I, I watched this documentary, uh, Minimalism, uh-huh. um, on the way back f- from this Christmas break where uh, I took my f- family to go to Universal Studios because uh-huh. I can afford that this year, which is great. Yeah. But watching Minimalism, I guess Jim Carrey has a quote where he says, I wish everyone could get rich and famous because then they would they would know that it's not the answer. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like, uh, you're right. It's, it's just a tool and it's, um, I, I, uh, something I want to cover. Like if you guys, no, no matter where you're at in your blackjack careers, it's always, for me, what's always kind of fun and exciting is to hear what people's plans are to do with the money. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, for JC Note, I know he's going into real real estate, doing some real estate. Well, stuff. that was his goal before Blackjack. Yeah. yeah. He had a plan, and Blackjack has been a great... And that was the thing, even running our team. Some players joined our team with a clear plan, and it was a great resource, springboard, whatever. Like, they could make way more money from card counting than they could have, you know, with their other options, and could get where they want to go. Other people, it was like they had no plan, and they played some Blackjack, they counted some cards... And then they went back, you know, which is fine. But I felt like the people I was more excited about were they used it <laughs> to get from point A to point B. Yeah, used it, used it as a tool yeah. for whatever that dream yeah. is. So, yeah. So it's really valuable because, I, I, like, if, if you're at this place, it's like, it's like when you hear dealers hustle for tips. I almost want to ask them, like, so what are you going to do? with this money when I give yeah. it to you and, and whatever figure I'm going to give them is probably going to be really small. But like, um, if I, 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 I just skip that. I, and I, I think like, well, I want to ask them, what are you going to do if you win a million dollars of the lottery? Yeah. Like, let's hear that story. And you'll probably hear the most disgusting <laughs> use of money ever uh-huh. where it's like, I'd get five, RVs, you know what I mean? Or just like whatever. What's really exciting is like when people have plans for what they want to do with the money. For, for me, for me, like card counting, I don't want to do it for forever. Yeah. It's just a means to an end. Yeah. And it, and it, it has totally worked out and it's been really helpful. I'm so grateful that I um, stumbled into it yeah. based off of the sequence of events that I told you. Um because, like, I honestly don't know how I would have gotten out from under this college loan burden. I mean, I'd really have to buckle down and, and get good with my finances. Yeah. But this, man, this year, it's like hitting the hyperspace button and, and getting spending more time doing what I want to do with this life. Yeah. You know, because I know I've only got so much time here on Earth, you yeah. know what I mean? And really get in there and make some films and, and honestly like make some mistakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause there, there is, uh, I guess some guy wrote a book called 10,000 hours. Uh-huh. And when you basically, when you do 10,000 hours of whatever, um, it, 
this is the philosophy of the book. Yeah. Whenever you do 10,000 hours of something, you're a professional at it. I don't feel like I've done 10,000 hours worth of filmmaking. Yeah. But I, I have like done a visual effects and motion sure. graphics. But I want to be in that category. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I want to focus on that. And Blackjack, or card counting, um, you know, has like led the way for that. And, and super, yeah, super, super, super grateful for that. That's awesome. So before we wrap it up, we got, we definitely have a little more time here. But for those that are not trying to figure out what they're doing with all the money <laughs> they've made from card counting, for those who are more thinking about, I, I want, you know, the next exciting story to be mastering this skill and seeing what I can do with it, having some good stories to tell and, you know, whatever, making some money. What would be some of your advice for someone that's that's really interested in becoming what I would what I would say like a a, a pro or at least a semi pro card counter? Not not to me there's category. There's people that gamble and card counting helps them to no longer be a losing gambler, you mm-hmm. know. But there's another category which is like what what I pursued, uh what you've pursued, which is like doing this for a source of income. Uh what would be your advice? To that person, man, I guess you know what's so weird is because because we're, cause we're, we're co- we've covered basically all of my mistakes. I shared every mistake I've made along the way, uh-huh. but basically between my first boot camp and second boot camp and the last podcast. Uh-huh. And um, Joe seven four eight blew out his first bankroll. You realize you got lucky. I realize I got lucky. I guess the bottom line is stick with it, or at yeah. least it is. It, it, but well, I would, what about before they head to the casino? I would hate uh, for oh okay, I, it would, just to be well practiced. Okay, it, what it, does that mean? It, it would be to know the, the the Trinity, which is like to to know the. <laughs> That's good. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> to know the the basic strategy chart, your bet spread. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the maintaining the count, and then uh, deviations. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so perfect basic strategy, perfect counting, which results in perfect betting, yeah, and deviations. And like to be able to do that flawlessly at home. And other other the other the, the other advice just to kind of like throw it all together. We we've, we've said it all, but I'll just dude, you can't you can't say it too many times. Okay, recoup is is like um, uh, get a community. At least have one other person that you knows that know that whether. In fact, I would encourage. If you know someone that has made six figures doing it, <laughs> that's a good sign. I would latch onto that person and communicate with them. But be in in the a com- community to have someone couch your expect uh, couch your expectations and um, uh, to give you advice. The other thing I'll say this is what's interesting among um, even people that have made six figures mm-hmm. is there's even a l- a l- still things that. People would do a little differently, sure. You know what I mean. But they're, it's like both players are winning players, yeah. But still agree, disagree on said idea, uh-huh. which is very interesting. Like, give, give an example. Um, well, like, like, it's not going to be basic strategy or betting or counting yeah. or maybe maybe betting. Well, when we, um, well, yeah, I'll maybe. put it this way. I don't know if you've heard this, but Richard Munchkin had a quote in one of his um, um, gambling with an edge gambling with an edge podcasts. He goes round. Up on your bets, okay, and round down on your deviations. Oh, okay, interesting. For like the true count, uh huh. And for me, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh huh. 
But like for JC Note, he was like, I, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't. Well, yeah, rounding up into bets, it's just going to increase your your EV slightly, but it's also going to increase your variance and your risk because you're going to be slightly over betting at times. And that that is it's it's kind of a personal. I and mean, we're getting a little bit into into the weeds. Like this is this is stuff we pros like to like to uh, argue about. But you know the the bottom line is. It kind of is personal preference if you want a little bit lower EV, a little bit lower risk, or if you want a little bit higher EV, a little bit higher risk. That's right. But but the the basics, everyone would agree on. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right. The basics, everyone would agree. The trinity. The trinity. Basic strategy. Everyone agrees on the trinity. Counting and deviations. (laughs) And deviations, you know, deviations can mean betting or playing, so. Yeah, because kind of like what you're talking about is the, the basically the two winning philosophies are maximizing and optimizing. Okay. Both so, of those are winning philosophies. Well, for those that don't know what, what we mean by that, explain a maximizer and um, explain an optimizer. So this this goes, again, back to Ian Anderson's book. That's where I first heard it, Ian Anderson's book, Bring the Tables in Las Vegas. But explain it to people. A maximizer is a person that wants to bet with no cover. Absolutely zero cover. Get as much money out of the casino as quickly as possible. As quickly as possible based on your uh, the bank that you have, the weapons and tools yeah. that you have. Extract the most money as possible and not care about how obvious it could look. Sure. And then an optimizer is someone uh, that like want, is more interested in siphoning money. Uh-huh. Out of a casino and trying to make it look like that is not happening as much as possible, pending that you're comfortable with yeah. as much money as you are extracting. So, so I think the easiest uh, illustration it's the whole: you can shear a sheep many times, you can only skin him once. But the problem with so shearing a sheep might be the the optimizer. Like, well, I'm not gonna. You know, rub it in their faces is what Tommy Highland says. Like, you know, then again, I'd still say he's a maximizer. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to be too egregious because I want to last at this casino a bit longer. But the problem is it sucks when you're costing – to do that, you're costing yourself EV. Like, you're not getting the maximum amount of profits out every hour as you could – with the thought of it's going to get you more hours, but it sucks when you still get backed off and you knew you left money on the table. Yeah. Like I did, I remember the the only time I did Ian Anderson's Ultimate Gambit, which is like an entire slew of both playing deviations, like, like improper playing decisions that don't cost you all that much EV, combined with this, this elaborate bet strategy to cover betting. Uh, you know, you only raise your bet if you won the previous hand. You only lower your bet if you lost the previous hand. You're doing this with counting, so you are raising it as the count goes up, but you're not raising it in the the right, according to your true count. Anyway, it's this elaborate thing Ian Anderson wrote about, and I'm like, I'm going to do this. I still, I won about 20 grand in half an hour and got backed off. And it, the thought was, <laughs> I, I probably, you know, what if I would have won 22 grand? Or even mm. what if I would have won 20 grand $500, you know, like, I don't know how much EV I left on the table, 
because I didn't play properly and I still was going to get backed off either way. And I never did the ultimate gambit again because I'm like, I got backed off because I was 22 years old playing the high limits rooms in Vegas, winning tens of thousands of dollars. You know, it wasn't because I, you know, hit a soft 18 against a nine. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that, so whatever, that's kind of personal preference that gets into the weeds, but let's, let's talk for someone that's still learning, you know, that, so you're saying they got they got to get these things down at home. What about when they first start going to a casino? Um, track your records. Track your records. Okay. It would, it would keep track of everything. Uh, in fact, avoid negative running counts. Yeah, avoid okay. avoid negative running counts. You really got to be aware of the rules of the game. Yeah, if you, you be aware of the rules of the game, because what's interesting is you can even if because sometimes I'll go in. And I'll um, I'll just have what I'll call a sort of a safe bet spread. Sure. Where it's like I know that when I bet this, it's not going to be too risky. I'm yeah, I'm not taking too risk, even though my spread isn't is a aggressive aggressive because I don't even know how aggressive I can be. Sure. So I'll just do the safe bet spread and then go back later. Yeah. And as long as you remember remember the rules to the game, you can type that stuff into yeah. CVCX. Sure. Calculate how much uh, you've made. And then you can see, oh, well, that's what it was worth. And then maybe you can be like, why did I play that for three hours if I was only making this much money? Yeah. Or whatever. I mean. There's, there's <laughs> really, you know, I'll say there are four ways that you guys at home can figure out this stuff. One is... If you're just really early and you don't you, you don't want to get too fancy, just pick a bet spread like a one to ten bet spread, and you should be you should be fine. You're, you're playing a winning game if you're playing perfectly and you're avoiding those really negative counts. The second way would be if you have a membership to Blackjack Apprenticeship. We have this uh, bankroll management web app, and it's it's pretty simple, but it'll just give you some different options. You know, there's uh, maybe like six or eight different bet spread options. It'll, and you can compare and really figure out with your bankroll size, risk tolerance, how much EV you can make. Um, a third option is bankroll coaching. We offer that through Blackjack Apprenticeship. Um, and then the fourth, that, that if you're really a professional, you, you should get CVCX or, you know, something comparable. There, there are a few options, but CVCX is kind of like, industry standard um challenges is it only works on a pc um and and it's a little bit of a learning curve to figure out so i don't want to stress people out there a lot of people doing bankroll coaching with me or or something like that you're going to be fine but for those of us that are doing this full time and we want to really uh fine-tune everything we're doing you know you get you get a little fancier with with uh, cvcx or something like that yeah and like um something that uh, I don't know if I said this already, but I'll I'll just make it clear. Like in the spreadsheet, if you listen to the last podcast, the spreadsheet that JC Note uh, put together for us, um, we track the AV, which anybody yeah. can track. Yeah, you know, your winnings and, yep. and lo- losses, but we also track the EV, and yep. it's maybe not super precise, mm-hmm. but it's enough. It's well, basically, we just type in what CVCX says, and as far yeah. as I'm concerned, that doesn't lie. Yeah. Um, and that has tracking the EV with the AV has been really valuable in terms of helping me emotionally, like helping yeah. my emotions. Because there was a time period through the year where there was three days in a, a row that I lost four grand a day. Yeah. 
And, you know, it doesn't matter who you are that's going to bug you. Sure. Because then you're going to start to question things. In fact, I think I went to this casino where this lady was like, yeah, you're not very good. <laughs> like, she knew, you know, yeah. I was a counter. And she's like, yeah, you're not very good. And, like, uh, let me return to that. But <laughs> after three days of losing four grand, which I think one of those sessions was at, at her place, I really... The, you're still above. We were still above EV. EV. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really helpful to just look back and and even if you're below EV, you know, right. until you've played a couple hundred hours at least, you know, it it's all the short run. You know, you need to get to the long run to really. So, you know, I tell people have a perfect game and keep playing. You know, right. And my thought is um, that in the end, after tons of time, probably what's going to happen is you're. EV will be there, and then the AV will probably be, like, right under it. Yeah, yeah. Because there's going to be, like, mistakes that you make and sometimes a mistake that a dealer makes. Sure. Like, I've, I've yeah. had them pull insurance on Like, that's the number one one. Yeah. It's, like, where they say that they checked for insurance. Yeah. And um, you, you're like, no, 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 I was community. Like, it was time for yeah, you to yeah. bet it. And, and you would have got it. Cause you, she, she you, had, didn't, you didn't. Uh, they flipped it. Flipped a blackjack when you hadn't had an opportunity to buy insurance. Like they did it so quick and I had every intention of yes. doing it. Yeah, and I've, I've argued for that at the table where I say, you know, I was trying to buy insurance and, and even had the other players say, yep, he was trying to and was able to get my money back. But then you got to fight with the pit boss and all that stuff. And no that, fight. And sometimes the pit bosses are so um, yeah. rowdy that, that they, they, they'd be like, no, nope, So here's, here's a pro tip, guys. Insurance is the only playing decision that you don't have to make a hand signal for. Every other playing decision, you have to wave off or, you know, hit hit the table to take a card or split your finger or whatever. Um, insurance, you don't make a hand signal. So the cameras cannot verify if you wanted to buy insurance. So you really, what I train people to do, I do this at every boot camp. I train people, if it's an insurance situation, it's any sort of positive true count to just put your hand out and say, hold on a second, let me think about it. If you just put your hand out and say, let me think about it right away, then the deal, you know, at least the camera see you put your hand out saying like, hold on, you know, and hopefully the dealer, if you do it quick enough, you know, the dealer will stop for you and then you can, you know, do your rank divisor true, see if you're above a true three and, you know, buy insurance or whatever. Uh, but but that's a very common <laughs> Anyway, your point is that, yeah, you're going to be near EV, but you might be a little bit below it because we're not computers. Yeah, yeah, because we're not computers. And I'm okay with that. And that should, and yeah, and, and I was too, that that seems like reality. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, um, just kind of change gears here a little bit. Uh, there, um, speaking of, you know, pit bosses and, and such, there comes the time where backoffs happen and, oh, and, yeah. and kind of in this transitional phase where I'm transitioning to mid 2017, being a filmmaker, I'm doing these little documentary segments on yeah. card counting experiences where it's like, you know, we've talked about money and emotions. I want to do a little segment on that. Also uh, a little segment on risk and how taking risks is really valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, but calculated risks, because there's a difference between just yes. blind, stupid risk and then calculated risks. I really feel like um, like the best lives lived 
are the ones that evolve risk. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I could just say this about card counting. It's like I took a risk. Sure. Because all the information was there that it should work out, you know? Yeah. But, like, you, you don't know if it's going to work out. And then, it, man, that risk has totally paid off mm-hmm. big time, which is awesome. So so uh, I, I did a talk a little while ago at a, at a conference. And um, to try to explain EV to people, I use the example of buying a lottery ticket. That if you buy a $1 lottery ticket, you're expected to lose 92 cents. But nobody buys a lottery ticket thinking about giving away 92 cents of that dollar, right? So they're taking a risk for, you know, for that hope that is, you know, 92% against them, that hope that they're going to strike a risk. So that's, you're saying, well, a calculated risk. Well, you know, lottery ticket, (laughs) dumb risk, terrible EV, but even positive EV things like, you know, um, like blackjack card counting, uh, even like, you know... Uh, index fund. If you just buy an index fund, which is like the top 20 or 25 stocks, something like that, uh, you know, historically it's like a 7% return, but it's still a risk, you know? Yeah, that's right. Um, it's not guaranteed you're going to get your 7% the next day or next week or month or even year, but it's, you know, it's, it's a calculated risk. Yeah, it is, man. It's, and it's so, like, that's sort of a phase that I am in now. Because um, one of my goals uh, this year in 2016 is was to build the the six figure bankroll. Yeah, and it's like got it, mm-hmm. you know. But now I'm like, well, now that money's just going to be sitting there. Yeah. How can your money be working for you yes. while you're making films? How can my money be working for me? Yeah. And like, it seems like I, you know, you have probably thought about this way more than I have. But what I feel like I have heard is the the three best options are basically real estate, stocks, and then other advantage players. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so, you know, the, this can be a problem where we get a little spoiled. Okay. Because card counting, you know, uh, you can exponentially grow your investment, right? I mean, I started with two grand, and, and within a year I had like 60 and uh, then probably doubled it again the next year. And, um, you know, I didn't, like, continue to grow it at that rate, uh, what, three thirty thousand percent or whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, I remember a few years into card counting and I, you know, maybe I had a hundred grand and I'm thinking, like, well, this is nice. How do I continue this passively? Well, passive investments are... You know, like the stock market, hopefully long term, it's going to be about 7%. Well, if you need 70000 a year to live off of, you know, you need to have a million dollars to put in the stock market. Um, and same with real estate, you know, yeah, maybe you can get somewhere between 5 and 10%, uh, you know, cap rate is what they call it. Well, you're going to need, you know, probably a million dollars, $2 million worth of real estate to, to just, you know... Well, card counting, you know, it's a more active investment, but you can really grow that thing. So it's tough. It's a tough transition, I guess. I've and that's where, as you were talking earlier about, well, you've got a hundred thousand dollar bankroll set aside. You know, I put it more in the category. I call card counting a trade. If you've got your brains in your bankroll, Mm -hmm. you can pick up that trade at any point. 
right? Yeah, that's right. In that sort of my thought. Yeah. Like if um, forgive me if I cut you off. No, no. Because um, uh, my thought is is I'll go to and I'll, I will have money built up for me to make films off of and live off of. Yeah. For a certain period of time. Yeah. In hopes that um, I can continue like get paid to do that as, yeah. a, as a craft yep. and make a living off that the reality is is there's this safety net now yeah this safety net known as car counting <laughs> yeah yeah man if you have if some people ask me like why don't you still play and i think i think what they're saying is if i could do what you've been able to do i would keep doing it you know but the reality is you know i played for thousands of hours and it doesn't really fit my primary goals right now, but I love the fact that I still have it in my back pocket as a trade, you know, and, uh, and I do, I'll play a little bit here and there, but, but, uh, you know, it's not really a season, you know, I got young kids or I want to be gallivanting too much, but I don't consider myself retired. I've got this trade that, and I've got the money for a bankroll, you know, that I, I can still invest in <laughs> card counting at casinos. So that I hope that that uh, works out well for you. Hopefully, you won't need to count cards I know. anymore. Once that's the hope. That believe it or not, guys, that's the hope. Is my hope is to never return to this. However, I'm so grateful yeah. just at this point that just getting out from under that nasty college loan, yeah, and 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 building up like a nice chunk of equity. It's yeah. just being debt free. Yeah, feeling like a responsible human being because you know it's it's weird because I worked on ads. Mm-hmm. That it's there the, were like stupid ads uh-huh. for like okay let me make this ad so I can try to poison someone's mind with the idea that they need they they need to buy this thing that is totally unnecessary yeah you know I mean Dyson makes a good vacuum cleaner but is it really do you have to really pay like is it like do I, am I gonna go to bed sleeping thinking like wow I'm glad I have that Dyson yeah you know what I mean like is yeah. it or or just like I don't know. It's just weird. You know what I yeah. mean? But it, it wasn't why you got into filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it wasn't. And it was, <laughs> it's just so weird. Like, uh, uh, it's just like, it, it, it's, yeah, I don't know. I forget. I had a train of thought and I forgot. Okay. Anyway, you, you hopefully won't need to, but you've got a great trade. Yeah. Yeah, and, I do. And there's, I've I've known quite a few card counters that take a break, do something else for a while, and then you know get back into it. Yeah, and uh, because they have the skills, you know, they can pick it up, put it down. Yeah, I mean the way I think about it is, uh, I probably wouldn't put a ser- you know six figure bankroll into it unless I knew I was going to play at least you know probably hundred two hundred hours because there is you got to get to the long run. But if I could put hundred two hundred hours towards it, you know, it's it's. One of the best money-making yeah. activities I still know of. Because I was, um, was at your boot camps and, like, you know, kind of meeting some people. I was thinking, I was like, you know, man. I was, <laughs> it's like, there's some people I can invest in. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there was a couple guys. You got to be careful. You're gonna, I'm going to start getting emails <laughs> from people around the world saying, like, have... Have the Phoenix send me his big yeah. girl. Well, to to clarify, I'm not investing in any, anybody. But what what was interesting is I did meet a couple guys that yeah. that I was thinking about it. Um, yeah. But when I talked to them, I was like, 
I, I thought about it and I was like, man, all I would be doing is siphoning their money. Yeah. That they could be making it, yeah. And, like it was weird. It's almost like this guilty feeling came over me. It's because Yoda Joe Seven Four Eight did that. Like he could have just handed you a bankroll and made money off of you, but he knew you could. You had it in you. So all of you thinking of trying to acquire my money, just hear it yeah. from me and from Yoda. Now that I am also have joined the ranks of being a Jedi. Uh, you can do it yourself. Yeah. Put in the training. <laughs> Dude, seriously, the, the biggest hurdle, I'll say this after, I've been a card counter for, I'm going on, next year it's going to be 15 years. It's been 14 years I've been a card counter. I've played, I've run teams, I've trained hundreds of people. The biggest hurdle is getting a perfect game. And it's not insurmountable. It's that people don't put in the practice they they want to start hitting the casinos before they're perfect and it's a huge mistake get your game to perfect and then put the hours in at the tables and your bankroll will grow it's really that simple have good bankroll management have a perfect game your bankroll will grow yeah and you know i i was a i i really questioned i cuz like again even like just from a 10 year difference i was like is this going to work and then now it's a reality it's totally a reality yeah. it works guys in 2016 <laughs> And in 2017, this probably like maybe just like a couple other things I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, the you had Tommy Highland at one of your boot camps, boot camps. Uh-huh. and what's weird is like I wanted to question the the most questions I had for him was about um, okay was about. Um, the experiment that they had run in the oh, 70s. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess what had happened is prior to 1978, when they opened Atlantic City in J- New Jersey, um, there was only only Vegas, in, at least in America. There was only Las Vegas. Yeah. And they were, you know, they had the, their huge resistance against card counting at that time. But... Uh, in 78 in Atlantic City they were like well are these guys a threat let's run an experiment so for three weeks through the two or three weeks they just opened up the tables and just let card counters come in and then here's what I didn't think of um, when I'd heard him talk about it previously in a podcast was not only did everybody come over from Vegas to Atlantic City card counters card counters come over from Vegas and jam up those tables, but also everybody from all over the world. Yeah, I guess there was a Czech Czechless Czech team, yeah, Czechoslovakian team that came over. Uh-huh. And in fact, they jammed up. There's only two casinos at the time. They jammed up all the tables so bad that even regular customers couldn't get in <laughs> to where the casino could make the money off of them. Yeah, because during the experiment, uh, the, they had to let the players play. But the other thing is, they had early surrender, yeah. which has not existed for like 30 years. But it did exist at that time, and I don't know if the casinos knew it, but the players had an edge off the top. Edge Meaning, off the top. what that means is the players had the advantage at a true zero. Like, beginning of the shoe, they had the advantage. And with, that's sort of like you're always betting like you have a true two or you know something like that. Yeah. Uh, huge, huge profits. Um, and so they're just sitting there r- raking in the money, but I guess they were being pretty egregious with it too. They're yeah, they were really like flaunting it in the casino. Counting out loud and like yeah. saying over here, this yeah. table. Yeah. And what's interesting is when I was inquiring, 
about that. I, I was kind of like inquiring for myself because I, uh, because I was like, okay, man, card counting, um, you know, if those guys messed it up for all of us, yeah, like sure. by, by flaunting it that way and uh-huh. jamming up all the tables and like, I guess even the regular players would adjust their bets higher. Uh huh. Yeah, they would just see these these guys raking in the money, raising their bets. So then the players would raise their bets too. It's kind of like, oh, is everybody getting naked now? I'll get naked too. <laughs> would uh, you know, just kind of like this weird like sort of ecosystem that they'd created on at, at those two casinos. But the reason why I was inquiring is because I almost wanted to like blame them for why the blackjack landscape is the way it is now in terms uh-huh. of back off. Sure. Because like right now, if every casino in America were to open up their tables and be like, all right, any card counter can come in, it would not hurt the casinos. Um, but I thought about it and I was like, okay, I, instead of me thinking that people in the 1970s need, needed to readjust how they played I realized I was selfishly wishing that my job was easier uh-huh. and, and that I wouldn't get backed off. Uh-huh. And so I, it, it, because like for me, when I get backed off, that one back off that I, that I told you about in the last podcast was great, but there is a tendency for me to get very nasty and it is exposure of something that I need to work on uh-huh. in my character. And um, so when I was inquiring that I was like, basically kind of what I was asking is like, hey, can the world change so my life is easy and yeah. I don't have to change? Yeah. But like looking back on this year, me having made so much money and, and sure, maybe there was like a rude back off here and there. Uh-huh. Like I realized like, okay, I need to challenge myself to be a better person. You yeah. Know, to take to get ris- backed off gracefully. Yeah. Get get gracefully backed off and not have an attitude. Yeah. Because me having an attitude isn't isn't going to do anything for... Well, it's not going to do anything positive. It's not going to do anything... Po- <laughs> yeah, you're right. In fact, if I'm, if I'm a jerk, it, it probably reaps negative effects. Yeah. For other card counters. Yeah. And, and you know, that's one of my concerns is that there is this like i hate you you hate me mentality and someone's got a break you know and there are there are the pit bosses that have that back you off really nicely and it's so wonderful but if there are the you know pit bosses or floor managers that are jerks about it and there's also the card counters that are jerks about it and if if we could say hey you know what they're doing their job and you know if we treat them with respect, perhaps they might treat it, treat, start treating us a little bit more with respect. Maybe not, but at least, you know, maybe if we kill them with kindness, it'll, it'll pay off. Yeah, man. And, and like, it, it's interesting. It's, it's tougher if, if you're younger, mm-hmm. you know, if you're early on, because I think in my time with Sub-Zero, who was clearly a younger guy, um, cause I'm in my late thirties now and he, he was, I mean, when I met him, he was 18, and then now he just turned 21, had braces and everything. But, like, at the same casino that we would be playing at and counting cards at, he would be, um, they'd back him off, like, instantaneously. Largely just because everybody in the universe had to screen him anyway for ID. Yeah. But I feel like I sensed that people were jealous of a young man Mm. that was ambitious. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that sucks. I mean, 
I was 22 when I started playing. Yeah. And I played most heavily from 22 to 26 years old. And I looked five years younger uh, than I was. Okay. Um, and yeah, there, there probably was all that. I, I still feel like I, I'm so thankful. Like I got so many hours in <laughs> at so many casinos. And yeah, if I would have been 20, 30 years older, I probably would have lasted longer. But, but I still got lots of hours in. And yeah, I had to show ID constantly. But um, I don't regret it. I don't regret doing it. Um, and and uh, I felt like if I carried myself, like I deserved to be there and deserved to have the kind of money I was throwing around that people seemed to, you know, treat me okay. I, it does. I, it does suck. You know that I remember at one point thinking maybe I should put this on hold for twenty years and then get back into card counting when I'm in my mid forties. <laughs> I thought about that for about 10 seconds. I was like, ah, screw it. I'm going to just go for it now. And I'm glad that I did, you know, like it's, it's changed my, the direction of my life significantly. Yeah. And there's a little bit of me like that, that wonders like, why didn't I know about this sooner? Yeah. Um, but, but, but whatever, um, you know, I'm, I'm still grateful and I'm still. So how do you deal with back offs now? Now it's like I, I I just do my best to to be to be okay with it. Yeah. Like, um, I try to. You, you know what really helps me is shaking their hand, trying yeah. to make the effort to. Shake. Some of them don't even. That's like, cool. Don't even like to have their hand. Even shaken. even like yeah, like physical contact. It seems like it breaks maybe this barrier of. I feel like to shake someone's hand, you have to kind of. Let your guard down a little bit. Yeah, kind of a sense of like, hey, I understand what's going on. I respect you. Yeah. Hopefully, you respect me. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, um, and there are there. I have had some good backoffs where yeah. I've like behaved great. Yeah, and then I've had others where I've behaved very poorly. Uh-huh. You know what's interesting is like, <laughs> it's almost like what I feel like I can handle. I can handle like maybe a backoff a day, or uh, go and handle it well. Yeah. Once I get to a day where it's like the third back off in yeah. a day, that third back off is usually pretty nasty, uh-huh. no matter how nice they are. Hmm. And so it's like me, I guess, kind of like knowing my limits. Yeah. And it's the hardest part for me, but I'm really trying to flex my muscle and just be okay with, yeah. like, especially being able to, like, because honestly, I don't even care if they're backing me off when I'm winning or losing. Yeah. Like, winning helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, And I don't want to do this forever anyway. Yeah. But it's still just hard. It, the, it's the rejection and and the they're, yeah. they're making your life miserable. But because you know what it is, I I think what I've discovered about me is in my head I try to say that it's unjust, but in my heart I feel unwanted, hmm. and that is a yeah. You know what I'm saying? Totally. And that emotional feeling reaps this behavioral action behavioral reaction out of me that I feel like okay I need to work on this yeah so I'm still working on yeah it, is basically yeah I don't want to make it sound like I'm a success story and how I react on backs out back offs because I'm yeah. kind of I'm, I'm a loose cannon it's cool that it's it's provided uh you know maybe like a, a shed light in an area that you might otherwise not have had light shed on like a, a character uh, area of improvement is what we called it when I worked at Red Robin an area of improvement <laughs> that, uh, you know, handling being 
uh, made to feel like you're not wanted. Yeah, and if it's if I, I feel like the probably one of the best things to do is try try to shake their hand, and then the other thing, if it's bad, no matter that, if they don't want to shake your hand, is definitely is that's when you like for me, I'd want to call a buddy. Oh yeah, like call a fellow card counter yeah. and be like, you would, can you believe what this? Yeah, person just get it off your chest. Yeah, and then hopefully they can coddle your emotions. Yes, yeah. yeah, right on. Well, any uh, any final things you want to share with people? Before we hop off here, I, I, man, I think we've 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 done really good. Just follow, you, follow your dreams, guys, <laughs> and use money as a tool. That's right. Use money as a tool. Follow your dreams and uh, gamble responsibly. Memorize the trinity of, of card counting. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk with us and share a bit of your story. And uh, well, I'll try to link to some of the resources we talked about, uh, Burning Tales in Las Vegas, and. And uh, happy the documentary happy yeah happy um, I am and minimalism yeah we'll try we'll try a link to those and uh, check out you know if you're learning uh, obviously I feel like Blackjack Apprenticeship is the best resource for you it helped the Phoenix and a lot of other people become successful card counters if you want hands on training we do boot camps four times a year uh, roughly in Las Vegas hands on training with me. The Phoenix has been at the last couple. Joe 748's been at the last few. Uh, JC Note and uh, sometimes guest speakers like Tommy Highland uh, or other legendary. pros. Legendary. <laughs> Tommy Highland. Um, and uh, if not, hopefully you've enjoyed this and learned some things from it. And we will catch you later. <laughs>